Amen. It is well. It is well. Carol Mitchell sent me a video of her grandson, Judah, four years of age, went up to the counter and said, Alexa, add lollipops to the grocery list. <laughs> Alexa confirmed lollipops have been added to the grocery list. Caitlin says there's all kinds of things that end up on the grocery list. As I was thinking about that in prayer before service, the Lord said, this is how I want my children to be. That when they make the request, be so conditioned to the fact that the faithfulness of the Father, that when you say, Lord, I pray tonight, God, I declare healing. Add healing to the grocery list. And the Lord says, it's already added. Just receive it. If you've got a need tonight, in fact, as we pray tonight, I want us to pray for Jane Adcock, who's out with the flu. Let's pray for Darlene and Robert Rudd, out with the flu. Let's pray tonight for Paula Jones. She needs a touch in her body tonight. I know there's many others. If you've got a need, just lift it up right now. Let's begin. We're not asking for, we're declaring, okay? Lord, we declare healing. We declare healing, Lord God, over these bodies. Flu, you came fast. You're going to leave fast, Lord. You're going you're gonna to move out. You're going to fly out as fast as you flew in. And, Father, in the name of the Lord God, we declare healing over Jane, over Robert, Lord, over Darlene. We lift tonight, Lord, those that are sick in body, Lord, those who have physical, relational, emotional, financial needs. Lord, we pray tonight for Paula Jones that she would regain strength and appetite. Lord, stop losing weight and start gaining weight. I pray for strength in her body. In Jesus' name, we know, Lord God, and declare these things to be true. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord praise tonight. Amen. Take your Bibles with me, if you will, and go over to Genesis, Genesis, uh, the first chapter. And we're going to read two verses tonight. <clears throat> As you're turning there, uh, let me encourage you this Saturday, prayer meeting at 8 30. Now, I believe, I just believe that God's people want to pray. And I'm believing for 100 people in prayer meeting consistently. We've had as many as 30 to 35, but I believe we can just continue to grow in numbers. Amen? And we begin to intensify and believe God and trust God with our family. So if it is all possible... Get up, get out here, 8.30, side door will be open, come in and let's believe together. God meets us in this house and we need a meeting with God. The generation we're reaching out to needs a meeting with God. If you have to bring the kids, bring them, amen. We'll scare the bejeebies out of them, not really. Come on, just tell them to come. All right, open enrollment through Sunday, uh, February 4th for ministering uh, credentialing and enrichment class. Also, those that want to be water baptized, we're going to have a water baptism service, uh, and that's going to be, is that on the, the 25th? There's going to be an orientation meeting uh, this Sunday after, I'm sorry, February 11th after service. Also, our annual business meeting for voting members is going to be on, on February the 25th, Bibles and Burgers. This Saturday, 11 to 2, and you'll have to find the location. Okay, let's look here. <clears throat> let's look here. Genesis 1. I'm sorry, at the wagon wheel. I didn't say that. In Tawakini. It's on my list. I just couldn't see it. Okay. <clears throat> Genesis 1, 26 through 27. 
Uh, let's go to the Lord once more because we obviously need his help. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy and grace. Thank you for the scales that are going to fall from my eyes tonight. I thank you for hearts that are going to be set free tonight. God, I thank you for the unction and the anointing. Mm. I thank you, Father, for the privilege to be a child of the King. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, Lord, just take over. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1, verse 26. The Lord said, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Amen. I've just, for the longest time, have been camped, parked, listening to, meditating on, trusting the Lord when it comes to the topic of image. Image is not just a big deal Image is the biggest deal. Image. We were created in God's image. As I've told you before, if you want to know where you're going, we got to see where we've been. We want to know the end, we got to start at the beginning. And the beginning was image. Now, as you look at the likeness and you think about image, image can be summed up and looked at in three different views. Re- resemblance view, representative view, and a relational view. Being in the image of God. As we look at this, what we see is that being in the re- resemblance view of the image of God. Were we made in the in the image of the Lord, do we resemble him in our physical attributes? I believe that many aspects we do. In fact, you know, we can, I can look at my children and my family, and you know they're part of my family uh, because they resemble their mother. <laughs> my daughters have gone into places before, and people have come up to her and say, do you belong to Andrea Sanders? Why? Because they resemble her. See, we resemble God, but how do we resemble God? Well, God is a triune being. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. We, are, we, we, we resemble the Lord in, in the aspect of, of, of seeing that, that image in the physical, but it's more than that. We were made and created to walk this earth and have the rule, the dominion, as God's representative here in this domain, this this 
terra firma, this place that we're at, God's intent is for us to walk, as we see here, have dominion to rule as his representatives. Not for selfish gain, but so that for preservation. But what separates us from the animal kingdom? And I know our textbooks tell us that we're animals, but we're not animals. We're not. We're not part of the animal kingdom. We are not animals that walk on, a, on legs we did not evolve. You know, if, if evolution was a thing, there's, there would still be evolution going on. Still be a progression of evolution. We're not getting any better. <laughs> In fact, we're getting a little older every day. But what separates us from the animal kingdom? We can communicate in the seen and in the unseen. You can communicate with those here right now around you, but also you have the ability to communicate outside this seen world. That separates us from the animal kingdom. Now, I know that many of you have pets. Most pets are like people. And I don't... It, that's wonderful. If you've got those fur babies and fur children, that's, you know, that's between you and your psychiatrist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I appreciate people that care for their animals and, and just teasing you. Don't, get, don't take it personal. I know you get violent about it, but just don't get personal, okay? But see, what separates you from, from your dog, your cat, your parakeet, your lizard, and your snake, whatever, Somebody say a bow constrictor? No, no, no. Is you have the ability to communicate. You have the ability to communicate with God. And it's God's desire to communicate to you. In fact, he put eternity in every man's heart. He placed this knowledge of understanding that there's more to be lived than what we're living. That we are meant to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That we are meant to be a part of something greater. He's, he's, he's caused us to live in the context of community that we'll talk about more Sunday, but in that, in that relationship that we have with one another, but also that we are called to be in relationship with God. The most intimate relationship that we are meant to have is with the Lord God Almighty. We are made in his image. Why did he make us? The pinnacle of his creation. Put the heavens and the earth, the stars and the sky, display his glory. The mountains uh, and all the, the, the vistas and the views are in all, all the majestic things in the world that you look at. And all a man's ability cannot compare to the creativity of the living God. When you see the mountain chains and you see the, the vastness of the ocean and the creatures that are all about, and he did all of this with his spoken word, man in all of their brilliance uh, come up with some magnificent things and works of art, but they are, they're not even comparable to what our God is able to do. And in the midst of creating everything, uh, he set man in the very pinnacle of the place and he said he will be the one she will be the one that bears my image and I will commune and communicate with them oh man how awesome is that we will serve a wonderful God so as we look here we see in the very creation of man we see the purpose of man 
was to rule. We see there have, you will have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowls of the air, birds, even the little creepy crawlies. You're going to have dominion over them. You are meant to rule upon this earth as representatives of God. He said, I want you to go out and I want you to, I want you to begin to multiply, reproduce. In fact, I made you, Adam and Eve, you're made in my image. I want you to do this. I want you to go create more imagers. I want you to produce more imagers. I want you to expand the borders of Eden. I want you to spread out in every direction and just watch as you begin to plant the seeds, as they begin to grow. I want you to produce more imagers that look like me, talk like me me, act like me, because I will walk with them and they will walk with me. I, I will put my laws into their heart. They're going to know me from the least to the grace. That's my will. And so go and multiply. So we're meant to rule. We're meant to re reproduce. God said that we are to be fruitful, multiply. We are to be uh, we, are, we are to be fruitful. We're to be rewarded. How many knows that God's intent is for us to have reward? Amen? Amen? You go out and plant a field. There's no farmer that goes out and plants a field that he didn't want to be rewarded. You say, oh, that's all. That's just, that's just a bunch of hippie talk, preacher. I don't know what you're talking about. Remember those old commercials? Every time the grandparents was in there and somebody would make a suggestion, they'd say, oh, that's just hippie talk. <laughs> I don't know, we coined that phrase in our house, so everything, we're just jokingly, we're like, oh, that's just hippie talk. It's more than hippie talk, amen? It's good stuff. In fact, you go in your workplace tomorrow, and you just tell them, look, I love you so much, I don't believe in this whole reward thing, um, uh, I'm going to work for nothing. Just tear up your paycheck, hand it back to them, say, I'll work for nothing. You say, you're a lunatic. Yeah, well... In the kingdom of God, there is reward for working and walking with God. Amen? There's a reward that is associated and connected to the, the, the living for God. We see, that right, we see it right there in the, in the very, no, I don't want um, what you're selling. All right, let's look here. Image is the most important thing in my estimation that... When the church begins to understand the image of God, he said, don't go out and make false images. Don't go make them. In fact, I don't want you to replicate anything on earth from your own imagination and call it a God. Why? Because God already made imagers to represent him on earth. Think about it. But see, here's what happened. In the garden, the, in the enemy knew that image was so important that he had to destroy that image. He had to stop the progression of God's kingdom on earth. He had to get man to relegate their authority to him by doing what was contrary to the known will of God. So the only way to do that is he had to come in like an angel of light. What does it mean as an angel of light? 
we've talked about this, but just to affirm this, when he comes in as angel of light, he presents his lies as if they were truth. There might be just enough truth in his lie to be convincing. Truthish. Oh, you won't surely die in the moment that you partake thereof. But they bit. The convincing temptation was this. God's holding out on you. God is keeping something back from you. He is not giving you the full measure of what you should have. You are not, you don't have everything that you need. But if you will partake of this fruit, you can have it. And so they partook of the fruit with this idea in mind, this lie that the enemy had given and presented in a very convincing way. See, because he's dealing with not perfect people, but innocent people. It wouldn't be sin if they had known not to do it. It was sin because they knew not to do it. Now they step into the garden and they reach over and the temptation was, is you will be like God. But when they partook of the fruit, what they got was God is like us. Temptation was you will be like God. But instead, they got God is like us. Now, man has broken the image of God. And there is this distortion that comes from a nature now, a sin nature. And this is important. I want you to mark this down in your Bibles, in your notes. I want you to notice in Genesis 5.3, we just read in Genesis 1.26 and 7 that God created man in his image, right? So Adam and Eve were created in his image, his likeness, his resemblance, uh, to be the representative, to be relational with God. But now in Genesis 5, I want you to notice something here that is extremely important when we talk about image. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness. After his image, named him Seth. So how is this sin nature passed on, this distorted view of who God is? Why do we come in this world in the first moment that, that we, we step into the place of, of insecurity and there is a breakdown in the family structure and there is, not, there is a place where we find ourselves insecure and afraid? Where does that stem from? Is it circumstantial? Absolutely. But it also stems from a very nature that is distorted, that was passed on because Adam son Seth, when he had a child, we're supposed to see that that child was created in the likeness and the image of Seth. And then when Seth's children, and you can go down the line, each child, that all the progenitors that came forth out of Adam, we resemble Adam in all of that. Until the last Adam comes. <laughs> who now brings us away from the distorted image 
Corinthians 15 and 49. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, who's the man of dust? First Adam. Adam is the man of dust. We were born into this world in his likeness and his image. What was his likeness and what was his image? His likeness in his image was that of fallen nature. Likeness in image was that of insecurity and fear. Likeness in image of is that, look, God is like me, and now I'm going to define God as being like me, and I'm going to live like God is like me. And, and, and that's why we come into a society and into a world, and in that society and world, they say, well, truth is, is relative. There is no absolute. There is no absolute truth. It's all relative. Your truth? and my truth and if you live by your truth and my truth we're going to definitely fall in the ditch you've got to get to the place where you understand there's just one truth absolute truth it's the only truth Jesus said I am the way I am the truth and I am the life so we bore the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man so as he is, so are we in this world. How important is image? It's very important. How big a deal is it? It's the biggest deal. Because I don't believe that you can fulfill the, the ultimate purpose God has for you to the full measure that God wants you to operate until you grow into the knowledge of the image of God. It's just not going to happen. You're going to do things for God. Those of you in this room are doing things for God. I'm speaking to those who, who are the core of the church. You're, you're here on Wednesday night because there's a desire in your heart to know God more. You're fulfilling his purpose. But my desire is to get you to the place where you understand who you are, whose you are. And then you'll begin to understand what you are meant to do because your purpose is going to be grounded and founded in who God is in you and more importantly... And most important is who I am in him. So as we look, we see that the image, he said, the Lord said, do not have any other gods besides me. In fact, I do not want you going out and trying to create any images because they're always going to be false. I created my imagers in the garden. They were to walk and talk and live and have their being in me, but yet they chose because God has a choice. We have a choice, amen? We have a choice in this matter. So, created man and man distorted. Now, the Lord said, I don't want you defining me. I'll define myself. You will set Job and I will speak. You will, think about it, we should, those of you that have taken a 90-day challenge on reading the Bible, how's that going? Man, the prophets are like, can you guys not listen? Anybody in the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's like, it's just like, oh God, can they not listen? What's their, what's their shortcoming? Always. What is their shortcoming? 
disobedience. But what's the, what's the primary thing? Oh, this is fun. Yeah, I know what you do. It's like control. No. <laughs> Andrew asks questions in their class. Everybody's going like. Their number one area of disobedience was creating. Let's, I, I want to use a different term for that. It's, it's false images. False images. False images. It's just over. It's kind of aggravating, isn't it, Grace? It's just like false images. Hold that thought. As you look there, why is it? Why is it so important for you and I? Psalms 115, Psalms 135. Scriptures. Have you noticed as you read consecutively and as fast as you're reading the words that you, you, you see so many. Ezekiel starts down like Jeremiah. Jeremiah sounds like Isaiah. And it's like you guys, are, you guys are talking the same language. And it's just over and 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 over again. And, and, and as they go into these other nations and they're just like being, being swept away like... like Anyway, let's read. <laughs> Their idols are silver and gold. Let, in fact, let me read. It's a little shorter. Psalms 135 says basically the same thing. It says, The images of the nations are silver and gold made of human hands. Human hands. Human imagination. Make these gold. Make these, make these precious metal um, images that are false come from their own imagination that was invoked from hell. They create those things. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them, hear this, will be like them. So will all who trust in them. Why should we not allow our own imagination to define God? Why should we set up or not set up false images of who we think God is? See, we got to get to the place where we stop reading the Word of God and start letting the Word of God read us. So when you open up the book and you look at the page, you're not just trying to regurgitate something that someone else taught you. You're trying to discover who God is. Because if you can never discover who God is, then you will start tapping into who you are supposed to be. And my image of God is false if I don't go by his definition. And if I set up other idols saying, Lord, well, the Lord would do this. He's okay with this. The big man in the sky doesn't worry. We've got this agreement. And it's okay. It's okay that I don't tithe. It's okay that I look at what I don't need to look at. It's okay that I have those thoughts that I don't need to have. It's okay with him. You'll have mouths, but you will not be able to speak. Mm. Oh. A mouth, but when you profess the word, it's got no. It's got no. You got ears, but you can't hear. Then I got to parallel in that with the. I won't take time, but sound of silence. You got lungs, but you, you're not breathing. Why? Because maybe your image of God is wrong. I got some more good stuff. Hold on. You look at the parable of the sower. 
Lord said, if you can understand this parable, you can understand all parables. It's pertaining to the word, the seed, the seed of God, the seed of Christ, the completed work of Christ. Let's look at that seed being that. How you handle the seed and your understanding of how to handle the seed will determine how you process and how you think. You take the the word and you scatter it and it gives four soil conditions and only one produces continuous fruit. But then what follows that is the Gospels quote Isaiah. But in that quotation, what what we see here is hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Least they should understand with their hearts and turn. What is he saying? The generation that will not receive those recipients that will not receive that soul of man's heart, that will not receive the completed work of Christ, could it be, would it be, as Psalmist 115 and Psalm 135 tells us, is could they have a distorted image of who God really is? Hmm? How big a deal is image? It's the biggest deal. Now, there's a lack of a better expression. I'm going to call this our proof of concept. Is that okay? Now, I'm going to say something that's going to make some of you real nervous. That's okay. You get real nervous, it's good because it gets you to thinking. The validity my Christianity is my behavior. The validity of my Christianity is my behavior. What validates me to a seen world and to an unseen world except my behavior? Prove it, preacher. Oh, thank you for asking. Luke 6, 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Is behavior important? Yeah, it's important. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven... Does God look at behavior? Yes. Does my behavior validate my Christianity? Yes. I'm not going to leave you hanging. Just let me continue to prove my point. Abraham was known as the father of faith. Why was he known as the father of faith? Because he believed God, but he obeyed. 
He was called the father of faith. Did he have his shortcomings? Absolutely. But you look at the whole of his life and you see where he, where he started and where he ended and what God asked of him and how he obeyed. He went down in the chronicles of history as being the father of faith. He was a man who had a wife, and both of them were well past age. They were a stone quarry in a, in, in a rock. It was impossible for any seed to come forth out of them. But what they did is they trusted, and at the end of the day, they believed God, and their actions followed it would be ludicrous for you to get in your car and head east toward, toward Tennessee. And the whole time you're telling your family, I'm going to California. I'm going to California. I'm going to California. Why are we going due east? If we need to go to California, we got to go west. You can't say that I'm a child of God and you're continuing down the path that leads you right straight into hell because of your behavior and say that you're going to make it into heaven. It's not true. It's just not true. And folks, I have a concern. As if we're trying to take the rich word and the bread of God and stuff it into dead men's mouths. We need life. Make them hungry first. The very blessing of hunger comes from God. Don't take credit for your hunger. In fact, ask God to bless you with hunger, with the grace of hunger, and also to grace you with the burden for the loss. We can't see the loss come in until God blesses us with his burden that we can carry. Ravenhill said this, young preachers and old preachers are always coming to me, and they want my mantle. He said, but nobody asked for my sackcloth and ashes. My God, bless us with the sackcloth and ashes, with the burden and grace in our heart so that we can walk and do what we are called to do. I know some of you are just like, oh my God, I'm so nervous, help me. See, here's the truth. Before I let you off the hook, here's the truth. See, how did... 16 times in the Gospels, just in the Gospels, every one of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they referred to Judas, they put something on the end of that. They called him a traitor, the betrayer. How do we know Judas was a betrayer? It wasn't just something that was declared over him. It was, we know him because of his behavior. How do we know a drug addict's a drug addict? Because they abuse their body with drugs. How do you know an adulterer is an adulterer? Because they do the actions of an adulterer. Judas might have been standing on more holy ground than what many of us may believe he should. See, Judas, by his very name in the, in the, in the translation of it, comes out that Iscaria is a name that, I'm not going to tell you the Greek name of it because I don't know it. I could spell it, but I can't, I'm not even going to take time for it. Many theologians and scholars believe that he was a zealot. They do. What is a zealot? In fact, Iscaria literally means, in, in Greek, it means the dagger man. 
because they would carry a dagger with them and only one other disciple that was called out because God didn't care where you start. He cares where you end. And Simon was also called a zealot because he came out of the zealots. And the zealots would use the dagger to stab anyone that got in the way of their political agenda. Now, Judas followed the Lord for three years, three plus years. He was called a disciple of the Lord. But see, he was more patriotic than he was a Christian. More than a disciple and a follower, he was more interested in the political standing of his nation than he was with the transformation of God's kingdom on earth. Now, I'm not coming against the patriots. I'm, I don't... Hear me correctly. I love America. I want to see America turn back to God. But I want to be more interested in the kingdom of God than I am in American politics. And though I understand when the wicked rule, the righteous are grieved. And I, I believe that we need a righteous individual in the White House. I do believe that we need a righteous individual in local government, state government. I believe in God. We're going to pray with God. I, I, I pity the nation that don't stand with Israel. Look up and you'll find out in Mecca that's what's happening taking place in Mecca right now. There's some locusts and floods and things that are happening in Mecca because they've attacked Israel. And any nation you look that has come against God's people, the Israelites, God has not, he's not forgotten Israel. Any nation that comes against Israel has come against God and they're going to have to answer to God. And every nation that rose up in the old covenant is the same stands true in the new covenant. What happens is God will have vengeance upon that nation. He may use them for his purpose, but he is going to have vengeance upon that nation over and over and over again. But we have Judas here. He was most interested in his political agenda than he was for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Is that all right? I didn't write it. It's just there. But how do we know that Judas was a betrayer? Because he betrayed Jesus. My estimation is he tried to invoke Jesus with the idea and see each one of the disciples, they had this mindset that the Messiah is going to come and we're going to rule. He's going to crush Rome and every other nation. And we're going to rise up. And they left out to the part of Isaiah 53 that, that he suffered for the sins of the whole world. They, they just excluded that. Even when you go to the writings now, and you can read Isaiah in, in the Orthodox Jewish church, but they will leave out Isaiah 53 because it mentions the Messiah and his suffering. They can't reconcile the king and the suffering servant. They can't put those two together. And even the disciples had the argument. Even mama came and said, hey, my boys, James and John, they, they need to rule in your kingdom. They had this ideology that there was going to be a political movement. You're the Messiah. You're going to set us up and things are going to be better. Folks, things are not getting better. Christ is coming. 
He's going to step on this earth. He's going to split them out of all. There's going to be a reckoning. And you may read Revelation and get afraid. You don't need to be afraid because the devil's not in charge. It's not the Antichrist that has the final say. It's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has the final say. All that's extra. Behavior. My, the validation, the validity of my Christianity is my behavior. So, preacher, what are you saying? You're saying that we just modify our behavior and then we make it in? No. No. I'm not interested in behavioral modification. I'm not. If it's not coming from a heart that's wholly, solely sold out to him. And see, you will discover, and if you haven't yet, if you're doing the Bible reading, you're going to soon discover that Israel sinned and kept on sinning and kept on sinning and kept on sinning. There would be one king that rises up, and man, you think he's the dude, and he's going to get it done, and next thing you know, he's falling and turning away right back to the place that he came. And you're going to see all the wonderful works of the kings, uh, Uzziah and Josiah and so many others, and, and you get to the end of their thinking, like, why in the world, Solomon, God met with you, and now you've turned, and, and you're doing all this stupid stuff? Why? It's because your nature is fallen, and your behavior is skewed because you're vision is skewed before God there's got to be something more see because my behavior is a result of my belief behavior does not define my beliefs behavior only reveals what I believe behavior does not define my beliefs it only reveals my belief. I could have continued on the path that I was on and continued to be what my grandfather was, what my father was. I could continue to walk in their likeness and pass it on to my children, and they would have to decide one day. But the fact is, when I, I was a drug addict and alcoholic, and I was, just, I, was, I was happy to do so. One drink was too many, and a thousand wasn't enough. I couldn't stop at 1, I couldn't stop at 12, I could drink till I passed out. What was I doing? I was carrying on the image of my father. Trying to, you know, what I was trying to do? Self-destruct? Because all I lived in is what I could see. But God has given me the capacity to communicate with what I can't see. And so there kept being a knocking at my door. There kept being a, a shaking of my cage. There kept being the tin cup rattle across the cage of my existence until finally I was living in this world and I needed the door to open. And the Lord said, the only thing that opens that door is faith. And so when I opened that door of faith, I stepped into him. He stepped into me. Now we should live as one. Now my belief, my history is his history. What do I mean? When he died, I died. When he rose, I rose. That's my history. 
How do I know that? It's what I believe. It's what the book said. And when he came in, he just didn't leave the house like it was. My wife cannot move into a house, no matter how good it is, and leave it like it is. It's got to be remodeled. I've been remodeling for the last 25 years. I don't just remodel one time, McLean. We do it multiple times. You get that kitchen just right, and it's like, it's gone out. We got to put something else in. We get that, we get that bathroom just, just so, nah, it ain't so good no more. <laughs> you take it out and put new stuff in. It could be better. And we're here to make the world better. It'll be easy. Ideas are easy. See, what I'm trying to get you to is this. I am a son of God because my belief in the completed work of Christ. Faith alone is what allows me to be a son of God. There is no other access to enter the family of God except through the Son. And once you step into the doorway and you walk into the relationship with God, the reason I don't drink anymore is because my belief has changed about drinking. The reason I don't self-abuse anymore is because my belief about myself has changed and I don't have a need to abuse myself anymore. So you, your, your nature is changed because something transpires supernaturally when we come to an altar repentance and we, we ask the Lord, that altar in Hebrews is mespah. It's the slaughtering place. It's the place where we die. I believe it's time that we stop putting so many flowers around the altar and start ripping them up and let people smell the blood, the sweat, and the tears around the altar to say you get to the place where you hate your life and now you're going to discover where life is because you're not going to kill something you love. And if you love your life, you're not going to surrender your life, but you're called to be in the image of God. And it's only at the loss of yourself till you've discovered the reality of who you're meant to be in God. And now all of a sudden, my God, your life has been changed by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. See, this is where I want to get to us, church. And I'm just going to read this because I think I wrote it better than I can say it. Behavioral modification does not save us. The transference from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light through faith and surrender to the completed work of Christ is what saves us. Surrender to the completed work of Christ. See, once my belief changes, my motivation and my behavior changes. My belief is the source of my behavior. What do you believe about yourself? That will determine where you're headed in life. What do you believe about yourself? Whatever area I allow in the background of my belief that is contrary to the will of God, the purpose of God, the image of God, 
will work to destroy God's destiny in my life. Whatever I've got lingering in the background of my belief, I'm not worthy. This is meant for somebody else. I'm not ever going to be able to do that. I can't overcome this. I just have to act better and then I'll be better. Whatever that, whatever that distorted image that has been created through and galvanized through situations, whatever's lingering in that background, it may be in the back seat in the furthest part of your mind, but let me tell you, it's telling you where to go. It's guiding your steps. It's robbing of your victory, your peace, your joy, your purpose. It's there. And it's my desire, because it's the Father's desire, to jump right in the middle of it and just rip it out. power and sonship. This is for somebody in this house today. I'm closing with this. I want you to listen. Because it's my intent and purpose not to dangle you over hell and just glee over the fact that you're going to perish. It's not even close to what I'm trying to convey. I want my belief in him to be altered such that when I say, Alexa, add some lollipops to the grocery list. That I hear the response of the Alexa say, lollipops are added. And just know it and walk away. I want you to have such faith in the sonship that's in you. That when you ask the Father, you know it's done. Because you know who you are, because you're walking in his image and not your own. I created you in such a way to bring forth a unique expression of myself. Let me say that again. Somebody needs to hear this. I created you in such a way to bring forth a unique expression of myself. It is time that you stop living Wanting to be someone else. Live to express me through you. I'm doing a great work in you, and I'm doing a great work through you. The value of my impact through you can only be viewed in eternity. You are mine. The power of your ministry is when you realize that I walk in you, talk through you, reach through you. Live in this reality and you will see the kingdom. This is the pure vision of a heart that is wholly mine. Some of you are going free this night in this area. The area being, you're not going to be somebody else. You're just going to be you. And God's going to be you and you. God's going to express himself through you. Are you ready to receive? Stand.
those of you that are making the exchange right now, we're going to start with repentance. Repentance at its core means to have a change of mind. We're changing the way we think about God, and thus we're changing the way we think about ourselves. We're not going to try to be something we're not. We're just going to be who we are and let God be who he is. And we're going to be comfortable being who we are. We're going to be glad that we're not somebody else. We're going to be glad that we are his and we belong to him. Right now, if you're receiving, just lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, we repent. We repent of squandering time on earth by trying to be someone else. Come on. Ask him to forgive you. Come on, ask him to forgive you. There's power in repentance. Would you profess your faults one to another that you might be healed? There's healing right now in this profession. Right now in the background of your mind that just keeps turning and yearning and the thoughts that say that you are lacking something when you are in Christ is a lie from the devil. Don't take the fruit. Don't take the bait. You just turn back and trust in God. Right now, Father, in the name of the Lord, we ask for your repentance, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness, God, through repentance. Lord, for believing the lie that we have to be someone else and do something else. Lord, we just believe tonight. Lord, we just want to thank you. Thank him right now that you are his unique expression on earth. Come on. God, we just thank you right now that, Lord, we are your unique expression here on earth. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, we are together, but, Lord, we're just a facet, Lord God. Lord, even as a diamond is cut, Lord God, so that when the light shines upon it, there is such brilliance that comes out of it, Lord. We just believe, my God, that we're just another facet of the diamond, Lord God, that we are a unique cut in the diamond of the Lord, and that, Lord, when your light shines, almighty God, people are going to see you, Lord God, where they couldn't see you before. There's going to be an illumination, Lord God, and that illumination is going to be your light in us, and Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, we're not going to waste any more time. Lord God, giving place to the enemy, Lord, through false accusations that come, Lord God, for his desire for us to create a false, distorted image of who we are in you. Lord, my God, just as you defined yourself, you are the one who defines us. And Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you are the potter and we are the clay. Lord, we thank you. And Lord God, you have called us, Lord God, to be your unique expression Lord to live in your image in Jesus name Amen here's your test here's your test what's the validity of your Christianity good what drives my behavior police when God steps in Changes your belief. Thus, your behavior follows. It's the relationship that you have with the Lord. Tonight, as we close, we're going to lift up the ministry in Albania. I'm purposely going to be cryptic for many reasons. Saw a video here just a few weeks ago. It's a connection that Lady and Mike had made. But the Lady, the doctor that we support, she reached out and she asked us to pray. She's led two more people in this tent community to the Lord uh, who are suffering from a lot of diseases. She said it's been very cold in Albania and there's been a measles outbreak 
He said, pray for protection upon the kids. And also that the, 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 her prayer request is this, is that the, there would be warmth in their tents and fire in their hearts. So tonight, we're going to lift up as our mission spotlight tonight, Albania. And I want to pray over this community and that God's believers would continue to grow. I want you to pray with me right now. Father, we just want to thank you tonight, Lord, that we see you as the source of all merciful kindness. We thank you for the privilege, Lord God, to, Lord, send our prayers, Lord, because there's no space and time with you. And, Lord God, we believe that you're dispatching angels right now to protect. We pray against measles, Lord God, that are coming upon the children. We pray, God, against sickness and disease. We thank you that right now, God, that you're intervening, Lord, that you're touching them. I pray that your glory, Lord God, that the circumstance that they're in would drive them to you. And that, Lord, life, Lord, and true imagers will begin to come out of this community, Lord. That there may be a church established, Lord God, and a great revival, Lord God. Lord, as they march out, Lord God, and they take the spools of the enemy, my God. Lord, even as the lepers made their way to Samaria, Lord, and when they got there, they partook of the spool, but said they cannot keep the good news to themselves. Lord, I pray the same thing happen as they get up and begin to walk toward you, Lord God. That, Lord, that you would cause the enemy to flee, Lord, and they would discover the good news and to go share with the starving country, Lord, all that you are doing. And I'm asking, Lord God, that you would bless, Lord God, the doctor, bless her family, Lord God, watch over and keep her, and let the gospel of the kingdom of God go forth in that darkened area. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Guys are at the back to receive our missions offering. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see all 100 of you Saturday morning at 8.30. Come in the side door and we'll, we're going to have church. God bless. Have a great rest of the week.